0: Season 4, Episode 7, quarter February 11th, 2019. And for the first time in 22 years, SW. All right, welcome to Hilltop Hoops, guys. It has been a long month about a month since our last episode
1: yeah we uh we took some time off uh we had a lot of work to do at our uh, our full-time jobs but uh did it's, not it's stop. my
0: fault more than yours i know i know it's okay
1: <laughs> did not stop keeping up with smu basketball
0: so if we're gonna be transparent here we we were pretty hopeful after that tulsa game That was that was the best smu looked all season but now now Kyle, it's a new age it's, now it's okay to lose as long as you lose with dignity
1: ouch, yeah, we've learned a lot since the Tulsa game that that was a, an aberration really. Uh, SMU has lost six of its last seven with the only win coming at home against Tulane who is winless in AAC play. and mm-hmm. even that game was was a struggle. that was not a by any means a decisive win. Tim Jankovic is, is out of answers, it appears. And if he has a plan or if he has a a method to getting this team back to the top of the American Athletic Conference, he's certainly not uh, sharing it publicly or he's keeping it very close to the vest.
0: He didn't have to get the top, honestly. I'd be okay with a little, <laughs> just a little bit higher right now. But this is what really gets my goat. Cue, cue the goat sound. So here's what gets me is I, a lot of these games I couldn't watch live. I watched the national broadcast afterward. And it's this narrative that's being spewed over and over and over. Shorthanded. Can't play five on five. Uh, Sanctions. Someone's sick and we're down. Injuries. I'm sick of it. I'm
1: sick of it, Kyle. I'm sick of it too. And and I agree. I hear it every game. I think other fans are, are catching on to this and have caught on to this for much of the season. Oh my
0: gosh. If you're on basketball Twitter now, the last several weeks are just savage
1: savage but you know that's a good thing because we have we have a fan base now and and our fans are engaged and and they're angry and and rightfully so
0: angry enough to make crossword puzzles
1: and here's here's what gets my goat cue the goat noise again What gets my goat is what the narrative should be from the coaching staff and from the conversations with the broadcasters doing these games, because the broadcasters talk to the coaches during these games. The narrative should be that this is a program that won two conference championships in three years, two NCAA tournament appearances, completed the winningest four-year period in school history, and really went from uh, being a, a program that was a non-factor nationally to top 25 four straight years. There, there was so much good to talk about, even with the sanctions and the injuries and, and, and all of that, that why, is, why, why does that never come up during the broadcast? I, I would love to get a good answer from that for, from anybody running the show at SMU.
0: And I'd love to hear those actual conversations going on with the analysts to see if they are just picking out what they think is the easy story or this is all jank is telling them because that's that's how it feels that's really how it feels based on what you hear coming out of jank's mouth and what you hear coming out of the analyst's mouth
1: so fans hilltop hoops listeners keep it up with the twitter keep it up with the crossword puzzles keep it up with bingo keep it up with bingo we are right here with you okay game recaps like we said seven games since we last talked to you and uh some of them are are stale and there's not a whole lot else to be said so we're going to go through these rapid fire uh, with with six losses. They're really we're, we're going to get to some isolated good things happening on the court. Isaiah Mike is playing well for this team. Jimmy Witt uh, is still a model of consistency at point guard. But it's just the the, you have to squint
0: kind of hard to see some of the good in here.
1: You really do. So uh, first game that, again, coming off of that win over Tulsa, going into the home game back on January 16th against number 21 ranked Houston. I certainly didn't go into this game expecting SMU to win, but I thought with some momentum coming off Tulsa, you, you put up a good showing here and maybe it sets you up nicely for the rest of the season. Right from the start, I texted Brent this during the game that Houston looked a lot like a Larry Brown coached SMU team four years ago. And And that
0: makes me sad.
1: Yeah, it was painful to say that. But I said it in an earlier episode that Houston has a really good coach in Kelvin Sampson. They have a really solid roster top to bottom. And they were running a balanced offense, going inside out, designing plays for their shooters uh, Jimmy Witt carried SMU through the first half, even though uh, flu-like symptoms, again, mentioned by the broadcast crew. Yeah, he had the majority of the points for the first half. He was looking great. But uh, Jere Foster goes down a few mm. minutes into the first half, does not return, another knee injury. And, another one uh, that
0: doesn't look like a terrible injury when it happens, just like, oh, well, he's on the ground, so I guess he got hurt.
1: Yeah, and and again, and, and I'm... Chris, my crystal ball says that that's it for Jure for the season. As much as I'd like to see him come back,
0: man, you hate it too, because I mean, think about before the injury last season, where he was projected to go, what he's projected to do, and then just the, the downfall because of these injuries.
1: I I agree, and and all that said, I, I do want to be there uh, the last home game of the season for his senior day. Yes, if nothing else, just to celebrate his career and and just all all the memories from that. But uh, another big highlight of the game was Ferran Hunt picking up a technical foul in the first half and then going to the bench for an extended period of time. So uh, him getting a, a dose of reality against a tough opponent there, I guess.
0: A very tough opponent. They beat us 69-58. Um, Three-point, we're shooting right over 20%. Yuck. They're doubling that. Field goal, we're shooting 38 from the floor. That's that's not how you win. McMurray held to three of 14 shooting, one of eight for three-pointers. said, Witt had 20 points, six boards, six assists. He's, he's the one kind of keeping us in the game. Shaggy with the double-double, 10 and 12. And Kyle, I mean, just kind of in the spirit of SMU basketball right now, I feel like I, I kind of need some making excuses here. So, like, in, in our defense, Dre Foster got injured. And you really have to factor that into this game and how we really um, should not have won the game after he's injured. Okay. Get, there's more. Just get ready. Yes. Also, in our defense, Houston's better than us this year.
1: All right. So, so we burned the Jure Foster's injured excuse for the Houston game. All right. Saturday the nineteenth, SMU goes on the road to play Memphis. Oh and my god! And this
0: is a, this is a big game on the schedule, just because what's been happening at Memphis. But yeah, go ahead.
1: Right, everything with Penny Hardaway and the recruiting, and and we've talked about it. And so so I, I went into this game thinking, okay, Memphis is another team that's going through a bit of a transition year, new coach. They're they're good, but not great. I, I really wanted to see SMU show up in this game and 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 put a good effort. And Memphis has has always been a tough place to play, even for the really good smu teams
0: and what a turnout
1: that's a big arena over it FedEx. Is. yeah it's an nba arena fedex forum conference tournament will be there yeah. this year too this game broke me i watched the beginning and then just had like th- this was the game that officially 100 percent broke me as an smu fan and broke me on the season and broke me on this coaching staff and, and
0: broke the and, levy with everyone else too. I yeah, mean, it was
1: just just opened it. Penny Hardaway rolled Tim Jankovic's career up in a dirty area rug and dumped it in the Mississippi River. Memphis took a 13-nothing lead. SMU's first possessions, six turnovers, did not score until just under 13 minutes left in the first half, but then proceeded to go on a run and close close it to within four. And then completely fell apart after that. You you look at the halftime score, Memphis is up 17.
0: <coughs> and then the uh, analysts were almost in awe of how poorly we were playing. Just like, you, you should not be missing this many in a row.
1: It, it was just, it, it was shocking on so many levels. And also to see Memphis shooting the three <coughs> as well as they were. Memphis is not a team that had shot the three well uh, this season. So... When, when, when you get a, a bad game offensively from Jimmy Witt and Jamal McMurray, uh, this is the inevitable result, an 83-61 loss.
0: And it did not feel as close as 83-61.
1: It just felt so
0: demoralizing.
1: demoralizing and just a reflection of two programs who are headed in completely opposite directions.
0: So, Jank blamed this on McMurray being sick. I have some other excuses, too. I'll get there in just a minute. But, Phil uh, goes, we shoot 36%. 21 turnovers. What? 21? Individual stats, only two ponies and double figures, Mike and Wit. whatever. It doesn't matter. But, you know, in our defense there, Jankovic was jealous of Penny Hardaway. And the Memphis Tigers can play with anyone in the country, I heard. And so, I think we really probably should have won that game anyways. We, we, I think we could have done a lot worse.
1: Bigger news, though, announced during the broadcast that Little Penny will be coming back to TV. I guess at some point. He,
0: he was a big influence in my life growing up.
1: Yeah, for those of us '90s kids, uh, that that'll actually be really exciting. I, I got I,
0: a pair of the original pennies back in the day. They were just the like, blue,
1: the blue foam ones, right? Or the no, no, no,
0: not, not those. Those are not those are later. They they were white. They had the blue on the side. They had the I guess they all had the one cent sign. Yeah, the the cent logo. I, anyway. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll I'll Google image search that. After they this. weren't as just,
0: gaudy as the big foam <laughs> ones. Anyway, anyway, Saturday the twenty sixth at home versus Tulane. Tulane into the game winless in double play, looking good for us, right?
1: Yeah, looking good. Home game at Moody. All right, gotta write the ship here, but th- this one just felt ugly, and it just felt like a, a reflection of how things are going. Tulane hung around in this thing and actually had a three point lead. At halftime, it was a combination of just some some lax defensive rotations from SMU and uh, just some, some bad offensive possessions here and there. But it was a frustrating game to be sitting in Moody watching uh my i had my son with me at this one and and he was getting a little an- anxious himself so mm-hmm. he actually wanted to move up higher uh so I, I think we ended up about three rows from the top
0: he went further away from the the smu basketball action
1: yeah further away from the action so mom was frustrating
0: for different reason. i was gonna take my older son and he was just not having it he was he was not behaving and so we threatened him We're like look if, if you don't want to get ready and put your shoes on that's fine your brother's coming he, I called. he called my bluff. All right, fine. Bye, Bubba. So I brought little man to the game, little, little man, two-year-old. Um, we made the first half, and we were we were out of snacks quickly, and it was time to go.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But thankfully, uh, SMU finally took control of the game late in the second half. Uh, back-to-back threes from Jamal McMurray and Isaiah Mike uh, turn a two-point advantage into an eight-point lead, and, and SMU is able to close the game from there for an 85-75 win. Uh, three point shooting percentage, 48%. I think that, that was especially, uh, important in the second half. And, and and Tulane is just a team that, that cannot put it together this season. I I really have a hard time seeing them even winning one conference game this season. That's, that's rough. So Mike really, um,
0: a bright point here, (laughs) excuse me, Mike five for five from behind the arc. What you can do that? He can do
1: that. And that's one of the things like we mentioned earlier is that, is that Isaiah Mike individually is playing really well, really coming into his own on offense, the turning into the player that I think everybody kind of expected him to be at the beginning of the season after, after struggling initially in the non-conference slate. But I, I really think he's, he's being much more decisive with the yes. ball uh, catch and shoot, or using his, uh, his shooting ability to, to set up better opportunities for him. So just really think this this kid has a bright future here. Got two more years of eligibility and I like uh, that. Just just glad to have him uh finally coming around.
0: We got future pieces like that and then Hunt coming off the bench, getting seven and seven. And I dig it. And then so you know, we won the game. We don't need excuses, but just kind of in the spirit of just how how the fan base feels right now, you know, in our defense, Ethan Shagwal had the flu against Tulane last year. And so like we probably shouldn't have won this game. It's kind of kind of a miracle. I think Jankovic is a mad scientist. Reverse karma from last year, perhaps? Sure.
1: Okay. All right, that takes us to uh, Wednesday, January 30th, on the road at Wichita State. And Wichita State's a tough place to play always. Um, You you actually went there. I did. I've been there twice in Wichita State's uh, Missouri Valley days. I used to go there for work from time to time, and... Uh, really good fans in, in Wichita. It's uh, Like like Brent said, no matter the Shockers record, it's a very tough place to play with a, a good fan base. It's, it's
0: the only game in town, so, I mean, <laughs> they got the fans out there. So, um, you know, last season that we were there, that's when we had Shake just balling out of control. Amazing game. I think he hurt his finger again that game. Yeah, really the,
1: the, the last good memory uh, that I have of SMU basketball was the win at, at Wichita State last year, despite – Losing Jure to the ACL, just having, uh, seeing Shake Milton be the, the Shake Milton we always wanted and needed, and, and especially uh, last year before the, the finger injury.
0: And, and that team from last year was a great Wichita State team. This year, very, very, very different.
1: Yeah, barely recognizable. The only name I really was familiar with was Marquise McDuffie, but but also an interesting storyline. And, and he didn't really do much in this game, but uh, SMU got its first matchup with Ricky Torres, who was the junior college point guard mm-hmm. who chose the Shockers over SMU in the offseason, one of the many recruiting... Uh, losses if you will for this coaching it's staff one of my
0: grudges i told you i had to listen to kansas country music to hear that guy going in wichita state so smu led by as many as 11 early in the first half uh, shooting 50 percent from the floor leading by seven at halftime
1: 45 38 but Wichita State uh, comes back, closes the gap in the second half, and, and I got to say the the ending of this game was was just bonkers, and it was it was fun to watch in the sense that you knew you there there was there's not a whole lot at stake for either team. Neither <laughs> one of these teams is going to be playing in the postseason, but it was just hey hey hey,
0: we still got the conference tournament. We'll make a run, Kyle. Postseason,
1: okay, conference tournament will be postseason, but it, this game was just going to come down to who had the ball last, the way it was going. So Isaiah Mike hits a long three to give SMU a one-point lead with a minute 22 left. Wichita State counters two free throws. Then Ferron Hunt is fouled on a rebound and, and goes to the free throw line. And and this is really Ferran's I, I think, first uh, high-pressure situation in a, in a close game on the road. And unfortunately, he missed yeah, both yeah. of those free throws. So I'm going to chalk that up to a good learning experience for him. And, and you that, know, I want
0: to get him as many learning experiences as we can this year. Let's build for the future.
1: Absolutely. Could not agree more. So on the other end, Wichita State makes one of two. Um, and then you want the ball in Jimmy Witt's hands in these types of situations. We saw that in the Cancun challenge with the game winner. And Jimmy delivered once again, just takes it the length of the floor, fires a jumper from his spot, tie game at 83. Unfortunately, you left Wichita State with a little bit too much time on the clock. And they come down and hit a shot at the buzzer to win 85-83.
0: And, and the stats there for teams pretty comparable, other than they had uh, two more points than us. We like Isaiah Mike again, hitting five three-pointers, five for seven. 25 points and seven boards for him. Shaggy with another double, 16 and 12. Uh, Whit dropping in 12 and five. J-Mac with 19. And, and that, that game really hurts to lose. But in our defense, Wichita State had not won a game in a while. It was kind of their turn, their time to shine. Um, it's just kind of the way you know, they crumble sometimes.
1: And they probably shot the ball as well as anybody – we've seen all year. Uh, can, can I throw that one out there no, too?
0: 85, 85 points is a lot, but but in all basketball. seriousness,
1: yeah, I mean, when you score 83 points and and you lose, I think that this one towards the end, especially in the second half came down to SMU, not being able to get stops on defense. And, and
0: we'll talk more about defense in a minute. We
1: will get to, to defense. All right. So
0: Cincinnati, it's Cincinnati's a game. It's, it's, you're playing with house money right there at the Cincy game. You don't expect to win this at all. You don't expect to be close after how the way things were going the last several games,
1: yeah, and especially just that the mentality going in there that Cincinnati is the only AAC school where SMU has not won on the road. I, I always come back to that, and and it, frankly, SMU has never played well here. E- even the 2016-2017 team member lost on that very close uh, Sterling Brown three mm-hmm. that rimmed out at the very is a very very close game. But uh, Cincinnati, newly renovated arena, and uh, always tough at home.
0: So this was a good game, too. 19 seconds left. Witt hits a three. Get us within two. It is 70-68 at that point. Um, We go on the other side. They get one for two on free throws. We get a chance, down three. J-Mac is just way short with the three shot. And that's it. Playing free throws after that ball game. We lose 73-68. Um, pretty close on team stats. They, I mean, they shot over forty-eight percent from the field. That's that's tough any day. Jamac with twenty-one, Hunt with eleven and seven, and Mike again seventeen points with three of five three pointers. Cumberland looks great on the other side. And, and the one, uh, the one thing that always gets me, I am so sad for for Jennifer. His last name is Jennifer. That had to be so tough growing up. Andy short. Yeah, that's just that's a bad combo. Bad combo, bro. So you know. In our defense, that game was kind of tough because, i say, Mike, he had long hair earlier, and now it's, like, shorter. It probably feels different, different aerodynamic. It's just hard to get accustomed to that. It's another another factor we're dealing with. I don't know if the media knew about that. I wish they did know about that. That's another thing we're working with and we're fighting against over here.
1: Yeah, perhaps that was – they tried to put that in the broadcast, just didn't have the bandwidth to get it in.
0: Probably, probably. I mean, yeah, we we got more games in this season. We'll see what happens. And they're just going to get worse as this keeps going today, so just just brace yourself, guys. So all right, Thursday the
1: 7th against USF. And USF, hey, just think about the past couple of years. I mean, th- this game historically has was an absolute beatdown. It was almost movie. a bye game. Yeah, it was always it always seemed like USF would roll in around New Year's Eve and <laughs> the game would not be close at all and you you'd always cheap get cheap sub hub tickets. Yeah, cheap sub hub tickets. You'd always get some great highlights. Even as recently as last year, uh, SMU won by 40. Last year. I forgot about that. Yeah. But it's it's just amazing, you know, USF has has turned this thing around and it just shows how quickly you can you can flip a program in this conference because they, they've been very competitive this year. Yeah. This one though, another one that came down to the last couple of possessions, and and I would just love to get I, I would love it if if the media or those of us uh, that, that could ask the coaches, what, what happened with the late-game scheming here? It, it was reprehensible, in my opinion. So you have a two-point lead. USF has the ball on the baseline. And Isaiah Mike fouls before the ball's inbounded. Okay, fine, that happens. But then you, you have fouls to give. You have a two-point lead. And sure enough, they're able to run a play, get their guy open for a corner three with very little time left on the clock. And boom, 67-66 loss again to a team and a program that you had beaten by 40 points the year before.
0: And that's a gimme every year in and out. And, and I feel bad here. I mean, think about when Jamal McMurray was on there. He was their team and like he he came over here to have to live a better life. To live a better life, Kyle. That's all he wanted. The American dream.
1: And, and now he's just we're we're losing. It's to his old team. It's a flip of the script for for Jamal McMurray and and, and look, I I have enjoyed watching him. I mean, he is as fun of a player to watch as anybody when he's on and hitting shots. But I just I'm wondering if his his career destiny is leading scorer on a on a mediocre team. It's it's just it's hard to really describe his college career any other way. Frankly, that's
0: the truth, Ruth. So so in our defense in this game, I think it would have been really different if we could have scrimmaged 5-on-5 five five earlier in the week because we could have practiced some of those situations you're talking about because the only way to handle those situations is if you can practice 5-on-5. Five five.
1: Despite having a, a full collection of team managers, some of whom played college basketball, uh, you know, get get creative here, coaches. Go, gra- grab some guys from I, But I mean,
0: But if you can't play 5-on-5 five five with uh, scholarship athletes... How are you going to play five on five, Kyle? Apparently I really you can't, can't run a practice. You're outside the box. You're probably outside the NCAA regulations, and then we're going to get more sanctions. And we've seen what that happens. If we get the sanctions, we lose the games. It's just an endless cycle, Kyle.
1: Yeah. All right. Individually, uh, Isaiah Mike turned in another great game with 18 points, four of seven from three. Jamal McMurray, 15 points. Ethan Shagwa, 11. Ferran Hunt, nice stat line, too, 13 points, eight rebounds uh Ferran has worked his way into the starting lineup and uh, frankly keep him there. He, keep him there. He he deserves it. I think um you you move Nat Dixon to the bench, that's fine. But it I also think it speaks to the fact that the sophomore class at this point is a monumental bust. I think you 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 have you can't look at this and say you know conservatively Everett Ray comes back next year and is a 10 to 15 minute a game guy recovering from a foot injury, has not played competitively in over a year. Will Douglas is looking like a bust. Elijah Landrum is gone. That's one guy out of that class and Ethan (coughs) Shagwa. And and I said a year ago before the start of the 2017-2018 season that there was no room for error with that class. I mean, really all four of those guys had to be rotation level players for this program to have a shot.
0: And you got one who's definitely that. Yes. Yeah, that's it.
1: And, and still has a lot of room to get better. I mean, we've, we've been through uh, Ethan Shagwa is a, a starter on this team, Mm -hmm. but definitely would would just like to see what he could do under better coaching and a a better developmental structure. Because I, I feel like he, if you look at early in his freshman year, I think, you know, yes, he's in better shape and yes, he's got a year of experience under his belt, but I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot to be desired there.
0: And that's our last game here, UCF Sunday the 10th. This is our first look at the Knights. Uh, they are having good good season so far, and as we talked about earlier, they're projected to be one of the uh, best teams in the conference.
1: Yeah, Taco Fall, uh, finally a senior. So this is our, our last look at Taco, like his last visit to, to Moody, and, and no goggles this year. And was, you,
0: you can tell he's like a person when the, that always wears glasses, and they take them off, and they just kind of look, like they aren't comfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, uh, a new taco. And then Aubrey Dawkins, Coach Johnny Dawkins' son, transferred from Michigan, and then uh, was out all of last season with a shoulder injury, finally healthy. And boy, he lit up SMU in this game for 26 points. So UCF took an early lead, and the story here was just SMU continuing to play catch-up throughout Mm -hmm. the game. I I thought there was a decent crowd at Moody, too, especially given the circumstances. So yeah, people are still interested regardless. But the most alarming stat to me was, if you look at the first half box score, 25 of the 36 shot attempts from SMU were threes, and you only made six of them. You're not going to win very many games. Uh, that's one of the things we talked to my dad about that, yeah, when you're making your threes, everything else is easy. but,
0: but, but it, if you if you scared a big guy in the middle, that's what you do.
1: Yeah, and and I think in the past, I think Larry Brown and and mm-hmm. with with the better players, you were able to kind of scheme your way around Taco. But not
0: even scheme when you got Sterling. Left, I mean, you're going at him.
1: Yeah, Sterling, you were attacking Benmore, him. Semi Ojelewe, we're just able to go right at Taco. We're just able to set him up and get him away from the basket. So UCF takes a 36-28 lead into halftime, and and SMU was was in it, but it just never felt like they had enough momentum to, to break through. And
0: what and was what was interesting there was McMurray did not start and played only five minutes the entire game. Uh, so the official story was he was hurt, but then also we heard he was disciplined for being late at practice. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I think it kind of seems petty at this point, but what do I know? I've never been a coach. So uh, late in the game, Isaiah Mike misses three free throws. UCF comes down, scores on the other end, and then... SMU gets a gets the ball back. Ethan Shagwa misses a quick catch and shoot three. You get a missed wide open corner three from Jimmy Witt. So just several opportunities I think you can point to in the second half. Seventy one sixty five final score. UCF gets the win.
0: When they're shooting fifty two percent from the field over about forty four from three, and and really in that game in our defense we aren't really set up to be a good defensive team. It's not really fair to have us playing a team who's good on offense.
1: Not fair. Yeah. I, I just and, and for I those never, of you who paid close
0: attention, you know exactly what I'm quoting right now, and it's infuriating.
1: I have never in my life heard a coach structure that there are so many ways you could say that. What what I think Coach Jankovic was trying to say. U- unbelievable. So, so, so if Curry it wasn't clear enough. If
0: it wasn't clear enough, after the game he said, quote, we are not set up to be a good defensive team. Colin, in these notes, you have
1: What yeah about eight question marks
0: it's would coach dan say that
1: no no and i i almost want to run that run that by my dad and say is this have you ever in your 15 years of coaching at multiple levels of basketball heard a coach phrase that this way and and i again i just i have no good explanation for that
0: so here we are 12 and 11 after our powder puff out of conference uh schedule We've learned a lot about these coaches this year. This team—it's—it's kind of painful, but it's—it's we've we've learned a lot about this program last several weeks.
1: We really have, and and let's be truthful in its in its current state.
0: In its current state,
1: I so so as as I'm evaluating the coaches and where I think SMU needs to go from here is I think this is true in both basketball and football, but SMU just does not seem to be a very forgiving place for a coach that needs to develop like a Jimmy Tubbs or a Matt Doherty in, in some respects. I think Matt Doherty kind of straddles the coach that needed to develop and coach with a questionable track record much like Tim Jankovic. So it's it's also not a place where, where a coach who does not have an established track record can come in and write the ship for his career. I think it's you really need someone. You you saw it in football with June Jones in the early years. I'm not talking about late stage. I'm glad you clarified there. Yes. Always have to lead with that caveat. And and then with Larry Brown, I mean, both of those coaches were accomplished. Uh, Larry Brown, we said it last time, arguably one of the 10 to 15 best coaches in the history of the sport. And June Jones came to SMU, having taken Hawaii to a BCS bowl game and had a lot of success in both college and the nfl so keep this in mind as if you're contemplating names for uh the next coach i really think it needs to be somebody who already has some skins on the wall who knows how to win who knows how to coach at a school like smu knowing how
0: to recruit would be kind of cool too
1: yeah and and knowing how to recruit there's a lot to sell here we know that um Bright spots. If if I can just sum up all of what I've seen the past couple of games is once again, Isaiah Mike, I think really uh, turning into the player that everyone thought he would be and, and just I think has a bright future
0: for Ron Hunt. He is far from a finished product, but I love what I see out of him. He has so much potential, so much promise working his way into the starting lineup. Um, and I think he is going to be, I'm not saying he is the centerpiece, but I think he's going to be uh, just a central part of this team going forward.
1: Yeah, really. I honestly, ho- hope he stays uh, end of this season. There's and, always a risk, but um, and I respect, he's a local kid and just really hope he sticks around. And
0: I respect that he's standing up for his coach right now. Regardless of what you think about Tim Jankovic, he has that team mindset. He is supporting his team, supporting his coach. I'm not going to fault him at all for that.
1: Neither am I. I, I mean, it, he he tweeted it. Uh, he's he's 18 years old and probably learned a lesson from that. But yeah, I agree. He's he's still keeping with the team mindset and uh, looking after the guys
0: in the bunker. And, and the lesson being that people will respond and say what they want to <laughs> say and it's going to get out there.
1: Uh, sure thing. And and Nat Dixon, haven't really talked about him much on this episode. His one year with the program, I mean, he's. I think we've learned that he's fairly limited on offense in terms of the ability to create things for himself but he's a guy who plays hard he's unselfish you know having been taken out of the starting lineup I he's a guy I look at that man it would have been great to have him as a five to ten minute a game role player on the team two years ago you know what if he were the seventh man off the bench behind Ben Emeligou you know he's a guy who could spell Jarae or Sterling Brown for a few minutes I mean that's uh, if if we could just drop Nat Dixon back two years ago might have made a difference jimmy witt just remarkable consistency i think you you notice when jimmy witt has a bad game because as we talked about with memphis um when he when he's not able to get going on offense they really struggle uh lingering question one year left of eligibility um he would be able to grad transfer if he wanted to i i think that's certainly an open question at the end of the season
0: time will tell End of the season so peaks and valleys we are currently in a valley we'll see what happens uh coming up the rest of this season uh, shout out to that man who's not here, he's got a full schedule, Elliot Mayen, who is not on the ones and twos, so if something did not sound right this episode, you can blame me, don't blame Elliot. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, whenever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate you, thank you. Ponies, keep your heads up.
1: It will get better.
0: He, he was a big influence in my life growing up.
1: Yeah, for those of us 90s kids, uh, that, that'll actually be really exciting.